Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today we dive into political flicks and play some trivia. We'll also watch a Bill and Ted movie and get cozy for winter. It's time for Categorized. All right, we are recording this and we still don't know who the president-elect will be. It is November 4th. It looks like Joe Biden has 264 electoral votes and Trump is somewhere in the 230s. I can't give you a play-by-play because we've really turned off the TV to do this podcast. Oh, shit. He's up to the 230s. Last I checked, he still had 213. Oh, you know what? 213, I think, is what, I, what I'm what i looking at. All right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy in the world right now. So, obviously... We're actually going to edit this and distribute it later, and it's going to be kind of like a time capsule. A lot of people are very nervous. I'm very nervous. A lot of people think that Biden is winning. I really have a lot of faith in the in in the Trump's team for making just enough trouble via court that I'm not confident that anyone's winning right now. I don't. It's it's the most historically bonkers thing I've ever seen that we've ever witnessed as far as an election is covered. I think not only is it during a pandemic, not only are we counting so many, uh, so many votes that are coming in by mail, but also the president uh, said that he had already won. And uh, that is, that is not all of the votes counted. And uh, he says he's going to go to the Supreme court. So that is uh Something I've never seen in my lifetime. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that in their lifetime. This is a bonkers time. So we thought we'd talk about our top three political films. Uh, Political can mean a lot of things, but we were kind of thinking like some form of government or election or something. Yeah, something government-y. Like it needs to be about government or governing or like how politics works it it, for example um i'm just trying to think of a good example movie um but that wouldn't be on either of our lists for example borat 2 would not be allowed to enter although very very political it is not a government film yeah exactly you you don't get to have an insider scoop into politics okay so my number three of all time, is Kevin Klein in Dave. Dave is about a uh, presidential impersonator who looks exactly like the president, and the president is a horrible person. But what ends up happening is he has a heart attack, and they need to sort of fake that the president is not dead or is not dying. So they bring in Kevin Klein to replace him uh, for an interim time while, uh, while there's this, this big moment in the Senate happening. Now, while this is all going on, Kevin Klein assumes every role in government, including an amazing cameo with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he slashes the budget to include his new... Uh, I'm going to get a job for everyone mandate. And it's uh it's fan- it's a fantastic film. 
It feels like Frank Capra. It feels like old school, feel good Hollywood, the classics. And to me, I can revisit Dave all of the time. My number three is Dave. So we are in agreement. Amazing. I'm so happy that Dave made the list. I love Dave. It's like one of the best. It's one of the best movies. You know, okay, so right now we're living in this really dark period. And like Dave reminds me of what America could be and like what the American dream is and what does it mean to be American? Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's a lovely, lighthearted, hopeful, honest, earnest, hardworking kind of human. And you realize that the original president was like just such a jackass. And Kevin Klein's heart just, he warms up the office. And what I love about that is that the movie is really saying that that's who and what America is, is someone with a good heart who warms the office and genuinely wants the best for people and um, genuinely wants to serve other Americans. And I, and it makes me kind of like happy. There's a beautiful love story. It's a great film. It's so fun. It's funny that you say like this honest and wants to serve because my number two on my list is Mr. Smith goes to Washington. The original Frank Capra classic. Oh, I've never seen it. Tell me about it. I certainly will. So basically, uh, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is a uh, James Stewart film where he is kind of snatched up. He is the head of like a Boy Scout group. And literally as the Boy Scout is dragged into Congress and everyone feels like we're going to manipulate this guy. But this guy is like, heck no. They do make fun of him in the press for being like, Kind of podunk, but the greatest filibuster in film that I know everybody's seen that that frantic man going through the ballots, going through all this mail. I'm going to stay here and work for this lost cause. That (laughs) is the film. Mr. Smith goes to Washington and I only recently saw it within pandemic. And I tell you, I cheered. I knew it was coming. I'd seen it before, but because of what he's actually fighting for, I was so, so impassioned. Emba- em- em- I-, I cheered for him. And it's like one of the greats. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, good for him. All right. Do you want to know my number two? I sure do. I'm, I'm, I can't even guess. Uh, my number two is V for Vendetta. That is a great one. I'm adding it to my honorable mentions. Uh, why is it on your list? So we've talked about this movie, I feel like pretty recently it was on another list of mine. Um, and so I wanted to kind of share an interesting tidbit that I learned today that I was like, oh, wow. Um, and that is that, um, it's set in the year 2020. Oh my God. I know. Can you imagine if that was our year? It, it it wouldn't surprise anyone. Like I kind of feel like so this year and V for Vendetta and everyone, how everyone's talking about how horrible 2020 is with the pandemic, with everything, with just, I don't know, things are crazy out there. And, and I just thought that this was kind of an interesting sort of thought 
Now, for anyone who does not know about V for Vendetta, it's a movie made in 2005 starring, oh shoot, what's her name? Natalie Portman. That's the one. She is basically teams up with a figure named V who is sort of like a figurehead, a rebellion, uh, the leader of the the resistance um, to sort of kind of get into government and take over and sort of free the people it has a very big brothery kind of vibe kind of like he wants to stand up from the tyranny and the shadows and everyone's like living in their regular lives and and she and he are meant to sort of like shine a light on everything that's happening um and uh, overthrow the government obviously that's right he's he's like a protector of the innocent right and this is uh, a movie done by the Wachowski sisters. So, like... I know. And it... You know, it's so interesting because I like this better than all the other sequels to The Matrix. I might like this as much as I like The Matrix. I feel like I like this as much as I like The Matrix. And uh, I love The Matrix. And this is also great. And they do some very interesting and cool political stuff here. You know, it's where we get that great, you know, people shouldn't be afraid of their government. Governments should be afraid of their people line. And that excellent ending where, you know, we, we see parliament explode and the people take to the streets. Yeah, exactly. And it's a really cool and like exciting ending and i think what's kind of interesting that it is that it's a foil to what's actually happening in 2020 so like this movie has a lot of control of information is coming to you from a corrupt government and what 2020 actually looks like is that information can can come to you from a, a million different sources a billion different sources we don't know how many different sources up to literally as many sources as there are humans on the planet. And then AI bots, <laughs> like it could just go <laughs> on. Right. Um, and, and so it's kind of the opposite instead of only one messaging coming at you, we deal with the, the sort of like funhouse mirror version where all the messaging comes to you and you are left with having to figure out what's real, what's not. And, and legitimate real organizations are also asking what's real and what's not. And it's like sowing that seed of mistrust. So like the result is kind of the same, whether you have too much information or too little. I agree. That is uh, a definitely great pick. I don't know why I didn't even think about it. Um, I don't think it would squeeze its way onto my list, but I definitely am. I'm very impressed that you thought to add it. It's almost like it could almost be considered a cheat, but it really isn't. Yeah, that's the thing. I thought about that when I was selecting it uh, because it's a dystopia, right? And it's not necessarily about yeah. real government in the sense of a real government we know today. But it's very much still about government and how government functions and how government, what kind of relationship should the citizens have with their government? And in that way, I think that it really is very much like, like it counts. And what happens when a government corrupts absolutely? Right. And like, 
are we watching? How many corrupt governments are we watching today? How many different countries are people listening to us from? And what do they think about their government? It's crazy. Uh, Okay, so my last one and my number one, my absolute favorite is definitely a cheat. But I'm going to explain it in a way that I don't think it is. My number one is Spotlight. Oh, I am not surprised. I kind of like I thought about Spotlight for a minute and I thought of you. And then I thought, mm, how governmenty is this? So please go ahead, Jay. Exactly. So <laughs> here's the thing. Would it be considered political? Yes. Is it a government thing? In Boston, I think it is. Because so much of that city is run by the church that we saw absolute at the top level controlling the the police we saw controlling the story we saw people pushing aside the scandal for these priests and as a new editor arrives at the Boston Globe he is given not not like let's meet with the mayor he's given let's meet with the cardinal and unless you want to to you know have your your life be harder you'll meet with the cardinal and in this film obviously we're dealing with some absolutely horrifying uh realities it's my favorite journalism film but it is by far to me i think the implications that the church reaches every aspect of government that makes it fit for this list I'm going to give you one example of how stretched out the church is because I just learned this fun fact from a CBC show called Enslaved uh, with Samuel Jackson. Oh, I really want to see that. The Pope signed off on the business of the slave trade back in those 1600s. So there would not have been a trade of people without the church's sign off. Really? I mean, this is the level at which the Catholic Church is embedded within government, within regulations, and within approvals throughout history. So I think Spotlight absolutely deserves to be on this list. It's it's a hard film to watch. I don't know why I watch it as much as I do. Except you do to watch know it a lot. <laughs> I watch it so much. I've seen the movie like 10 times. I think it's incredible. I think I've seen I it like one and a half. <laughs> I also think that it's really, really uh, an important journalism study and journalism done right. And we have to believe our journalists and you have to fact check and you have to find the right source and it and. You know, when the next time we hear a politician saying fake news or saying the journal, the media doesn't matter, that is a ploy. And we do. I'm not me. I'm not in the media, but I mean, I guess we are. We're podcasters. We matter. But journalism matters and uh, it matters to keep the government honest. Yes, you're absolutely and completely right. And I think that. I agree with you that while on the face of it, Spotlight might not appear to be a political movie, it's not about government, 
you know, church and state and the whether or not you believe those should be one and the same or separate, because obviously people believe different things, you know, that is political. Ultimately, that's a huge political thing. Um, so you're right. I think that for us to say that, oh, we can't talk about spot spotlight in this list because it's about the inner workings of religion and a religious organization, well, yeah, that religious organization is pretty implicated in our government actions. So, yeah, fair. I like it. Good choice. Yeah, and it may not be everywhere, but we're talking about Boston, and it certainly is there. Especially in that story in that movie. Uh, okay, so what's your number one? Uh, my number one film, I love this movie, and... Honestly, I think it surprised me at how much I loved it. It's Vice. Vice, uh, which yes. the Adam McKay movie. My number one honorable mention. I, I just love this movie so much. It was well done. Just expertly done. I had a blast. I saw it in theaters. I would see it again in theaters. Um, I felt like I learned a lot, and I felt like I was thoroughly entertained while learning Um and, and I felt like the film had enough meat in it that you want to watch it again and again and again because it's that well done. Like, the thing about Adam McKay films is they're so well researched. So if you watch them over and over, you just understand and learn how the system works more. And you understand that history more. Um, the veneer of fun gets you through it and makes it fun to go back to. But but there he has real meat in these movies, and in particular, I think Vice is uh, more polished and honestly, I think like superior to I forget the name of the one before. The, the one big about, short. Yes, the big short. I think uh, I I think Vice is slightly better than the big short, and I think it's you know his him maturing as a filmmaker too. Uh, anyway, it's just. Great. I, I won't disagree with that. I think that's actually a really great statement because Vice not only gives us this incredible backstory um, into the workings of the Bush administration, but it also really dives deep into uh, Cheney as a man. Yes. And gives us an interesting character. Exactly. And that's something that in the big short, it wasn't as much of that. But they also had, it's, it was a different film, flashier, different. But Definitely either way, flashier, yeah. I'm kind of can't wait for whatever he does next because I'm, I think, you know, to me, he might be one of my favorite creators. I think that's a great one. It's right there on my uh, honorable mentions, like I said. And uh, maybe we'll even talk about Vice later. So. Those are our three picks each. Now we have to come up with our top three for you. The best political movies for this podcast. And I, you know, I think we got to we got to keep Dave on there. I just don't know if I'm ready to say to to like let go of any of the other ones. I feel like Dave is three for both of us. Well, I would say like Vice at number one. Followed by Spotlight. I would say followed by Mr. Smith goes to Washington and then Dave. Because uh, I think V for Vendetta and Spotlight, as much as I could, we could passionately push them both, if we're giving you the best outline for some political films to watch at this time, I think that's the best 
top three for your buck. I agree. I think for this time, especially if we're we're giving like the more than movies, top three political films to watch in the year 2020. Um, I think we got to think about how these films play against the current like existence of the world. And yes, I just threw in a whole new world or like rule or like yeah, factor. You have, you've, you've changed things. Okay. So vice is still number one, I think in the 2020 landscapes, because it's kind of how we got here. Yeah. I think vice is definitely should stay on. I think, um, you know, you could argue Dave, because it's what America should be. Right. And it's like a slice I also of America. Will argue Dave, I will also argue Dave because there's an asshole in the White House in Dave. And it's possible, depending on how you lean, you might think there's an asshole in the White House. <laughs> and okay. he may be getting replaced with a mamsy pamsy, real, real salt of the earth guy. And a good man, as many people have said. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Okay. Fine. It's in the running. Um, what else like uh, sh- what else feels very right now? I don't think Mr. Smith go- like goes to Washington. No, I don't think if we're talking about right now out of my films, like like, you know, the church has taken leaps and bounds since 2000. Uh, you know, the pope just came out and, and said that, you know, gay marriage should be allowed uh, if not in the church, it should be accepted. Um, you know, that is, that's a huge step forward for an organization that still definitely like runs a great chunk of the world, but it's not spotlight. On the other hand, with the, uh, like confirmation of justice, Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme court, you have a situation where politically speaking, America very recently was asking how separated does church need to be from the decisions of the state? And so in that way, I think spotlight is very, you know, like relevant. You're right. You're right. Okay. So maybe it's vice spotlight Dave. Unless you want to argue for V for Vendetta a little bit further, which I totally understand the current climate, but also we're not quite there yet. We're not that level of Big Brother yet. I th- Yeah, I agree. I think we're not at that level yet. I think that that is a potential future, like a weird funhouse, m- too much information version is a potential future. But I agree. I think that for right now, and if I was thinking about like, what can we recommend to our listeners to watch? I think Vice, you're going to learn and be entertained. Spotlight, you're going to think about how much do religious rules need to be present in the government. Um, and yep. then and then you get to kind of be reminded that, hey, if you have leaders that work on your behalf, you might have a really good America to look forward to tomorrow. Um, so I think that that may be makes sense i'm i'm down for this list all right yeah okay so let's count this down number three dave number two spotlight and the number one political movie to watch during the year 2020 vice there it is honorable mentions for me obviously vice and i'm adding v for vendetta to the list 
wag the dog because I definitely think it's a great, great fun film about uh, what is real in uh, the Oval Office. And 13 Days, we've talked about before. It's about the Cuban Missile Crisis and what is happening in JFK's Oval Office in that time period. Those are those are kind of my big political movies. And then I have Primary Colors, which I haven't seen in a really long time. So it's not higher up on my honorable mentions. But um, it's sort of taken a jab at the Clinton campaign back in the 90s. And... Uh, even though it's not like necessarily exactly the same, it's pretty tongue in cheek that that's what they're going for. On my list, I have election, which I guess uh, would have been a little bit of a far cry because it's like high school politics, but still governing a school. They are governing. Um, I have thank you for smoking, which is all about the lobby and how uh, private interest firms can affect our government. Uh, and I have a 2020 film that maybe not that many people have heard of, um, Irresistible, starring Steve Carell. It's actually written and directed by Jon Stewart, and um, it's quite hopeful and uh, clever, and I really do recommend that you check it out, uh, everyone who's watching. And I agree, Wag the Dog also is on my list, but if I'm completely honest with you, I don't fully remember it, and that's why it's not higher. Well, I am taking this moment right now to add Irresistible. And Rose Byrne is in it as well. recommended list. And as well as the girl from Halt and Catch Fire. Okay, you're the second person to tell me about this Halt and Catch Fire. I think you got to tell me a little bit more about this when we're on our break. Okay. Well, we talked about this a little bit before. There's a crazy election happening. It is November. The seasons are changing. I know you've had some weather things. You're probably in your prime, right? This is like the time you love the most. Oh, my God. I'm just absolutely loving it. We're in like some weird summer heat thing, and it's kind of driving me nuts. Like, I don't understand where this came from, and I want it gone because it was like 16 degrees today. What is up with that? Okay, 16 degrees is not summer heat for those like Americans. I think 16 is like this, like 60 something. Yeah. I, but still, I mean, maybe not the summer heat, but like what is going on out there? I mean, I love like that's temperature that that's the kind of fall temperature that I think is best. You can go for walks. You can enjoy the outdoors. See, I went for a hike yesterday in minus two. Had my toque on, had my gloves, went through the woods. It got dark way too quick, but... Way too quick. I still really enjoyed my hike. I think I was in the woods for like 10 minutes before I realized, oh, I get trapped out here in the woods and I may get lost. So I kept going and then I turned around and I was like, as long as I can see the trail, I should be fine. Uh, and obviously no problem, but it... it it did cut it short. It was only about 35 minutes in the woods. So the next time I'll bring a flashlight. But yeah, like I'm I'm down for minus two hikes. That's fine for me. You know, you get on a big jacket, you're good. But I am really getting cozy for winter because I got a new e-reader for my birthday. Ooh, that's exciting. What kind of e-reader? I am already on my third book since getting this e-reader. Wow. 
Uh, it's been like less than a I week. Know. I know, I know, I know. I'm going a little crazy. Uh, I'm I just got a impressed Kobo that Libra you H2O. You're able to read three books in one week. Uh, I, I, yeah, I guess I am. I guess I am. I, uh, I, I kind of like. I don't know. I, I I spent all weekend for the most part reading and got through a book in a day and a half. And then I started the next book and spent a bunch of time reading last night. And then uh, and then I started my my new one today. I'm 40 pages into the new one. Wow. I'm so impressed. So impressed. So the the new Kindle is really good or Kobo. Which one was it? It's I got the Kobo. But I like I I mean, here's the thing. Are you uh? When you're reading fiction and it's fiction you like, are you a skimmer? No. I'm a skimmer. So I read, like, if there's going to be two paragraphs about you describing a diner to me, I'm probably just going to look at those two paragraphs, get the gist of it until a new lady comes into the picture and, like, give me the description of the lady so I got that in my head and then I move on with the dialogue. Oh, Uh, actually, to backtrack, if fiction has too much description on how something looks yeah I skip I skip the paragraph like I'll go to the next I'm like I don't care about the walls and the flowers moving on I also I I will like if I'm reading for enjoyment I'm reading like trash I like I'm not gonna read stuff like Moby Dick I'm reading I'm reading a book about a ghost, man, like or or vampires, you know, I, I love books about ghosts, vampires, like all this stuff. I started reading. So I was really into this fictional series, um, the the Sword of Truth series, which was all based on Legend of the Seeker. So, oh, yeah, remember, I was obsessed with that TV show, which was done by Sam Raimi, oh like God. back Talk in like, about descriptions. 2009. I fucking love that show. And then uh it got canceled and I found out it was based on books. So I got out and I read every single one of these books in this series. There's like 20, 30, 40 books. I don't know. However many books. And then, uh, Terry Goodkind, the author of these books, who, by the way, I'm pretty confident is a Trump supporter. Probably (laughs) like, I don't know. You read his books and you're like, Oh, so political. (laughs) And I know what he's getting at. It's kind of like when you read Ayn Rand and um, and and so then he stopped his his sort of truth series and I was so sad and I recently started reading Law of Nines, which is a new one that he started and I am having a bit of a hard time getting into it. I'm still like in the first few chapters. It's funny because whenever I finish a book, I try to look if it's been optioned for anything. In the last two books, I found it after reading. I'm like, Oh, that's going to be made into a movie and that's going to be made into a movie. Fantastic. One I can see as a streaming series and one as a feature. Perfect. Uh, yeah. So I, I've been hunkering down, getting ready for winter. Pretty excited to get cozied up with, uh, with a bunch of good books. So if you have any that I need to read, send them over my way, but I'm definitely waiting on ready player two that will be arriving this month. Oh, there's a sequel coming out. There is a sequel coming out. I love that you know this stuff. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, I can't wait to read it. I loved Ready Player One until the movie ruined everything. <laughs> the ruin It didn't ruin anything. They're two separate things. They're two separate things. Keep them separate. I can't. There's so much different in the movie. It's a separate thing. 
Welcome in, it's time for Him Possible and Her Possible Trivia. Let's meet our contestants. It's that time again. We have not done Him Possible and Her Possible Trivia in the longest time. I know, we got uh, we got into BuzzFeed quizzes and Sporkle and all kinds of other stuff. Right, so it's time. It's time that we go back to the good old faithful. I'm going to re- remind everyone what the rules are. And then we're going to literally just jump into the game. Um, It should be noted that we have decided to do this political themed um, because, you know, there's a giant election. And I feel like even on Monday when we release this, hopefully, um, we'll all still be just talking about the election. So I feel like it'll be pertinent still. Um, All right. I don't think this election's going away anytime soon. And just so you know, friends to all. Friends to all. (laughs) Okay. So here are the rules. We have, we have five questions that are trivia and political themed in nature in general available that we're going to ask each other. Um, Once the first question is asked, there are 45 seconds on the clock during that 45 seconds. The questions will be asked Once through and then again through until the timer has run out or correct answers have been given. Are you ready, Jay? I am just setting up the old timer. I will start today by giving the questions and Jay, you will start by answering the questions. This is gonna be, I am so terrible at political questions. This is gonna be fun. Let's. I will start the timer after your first question. Is your first question multiple choice? Uh, kind of. Okay, I will wait for the whole thing to be read. Go for it. Uh, Jacinda Ardern was recently re-elected as the leader of New Zealand. Is she a prime minister or a president? Prime minister. Correct. In the HBO film... Game Change. Julianne Moore played vice presidential nominee Sarah Palin. Who played presidential nominee John McCain? Ed Harris. Correct. What is the last possible calendar date in November when a president election can be held? For example, the first, the second. Uh, The second. Oh no, it's like not that was it's not multiple choice but okay um who was the first canadian prime minister ah we are times up didn't even make it through the questions all right well let's keep playing so you can at least finish answering once we're just gonna bend the rules today all right go for it who was the first canadian prime minister uh john a MacArthur. Um, a fictional McDonald's, McDonald's. Okay, good. You got it. <laughs> okay, so we've run out of time. We've we've run out of time. Wait, your last question. Uh, oh, I still have another. You have a okay, whole. Okay, go other ahead. Qu- yeah, uh, a fictional war is fabricated in order to distract voters away from a pe- presidential scandal. Okay, let me just start. Wag the dog. Let me just say it one more time because <laughs> I didn't finish. Okay. Going through. Um, 
A fictional war is fabricated in order to distract voters away from a presidential scandal in Wag the Dog. What country is that war set in? Oh, I think it's the Ukraine. Albania. Albania. Ah, so did I get any of them right? Yeah, you got uh, all a whole bunch. Uh, J- the uh, Jacinda Ardern's. Um, she's a prime minister. Uh, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing her name. I did look it up, but I think I'm still saying it wrong. Um, the last possible calendar date that you could vote in a U.S. election, I would have accepted seven or eight, but the real answer is the 8th of November because okay, uh, I did not get that right. U.S. elections fall on the first Tuesday of November, but it's actually the first Tuesday of November after a Monday in November. So it actually is the eighth. Um, and it means it could never be the first. So that's kind of a fun fact. Um, and you got the, the prime minister correct. That was absolutely right. And you got Ed Harris. Absolutely correct. All right. Look at that. Okay. Uh, all right. Are you ready? Yes. Does Poland have a president or a prime minister? President. What actor played George W. in Vice? Oh my God. Come back to me. How do I not know this right now? Bolsonaro is president of what country? Oh, Brazil. Who is Joe Biden's running mate? Kamala Harris. Who was the only female prime minister of Canada? Kim Campbell. What actor played George W. in Vice? We had Christian Bale. Uh, Oh, oh my God. Oh my God. I love him. He uh, was in Jojo Rabbit and he was... um, I mean, I know I'm not going to get it, but like, let me just get to what his name is. He was in Jojo Rabbit and he's, he, he was the gay commander guy. He's a really good actor. He was in choke. He was in like a lot of other things, right? That guy. That's the guy. What is his name? Sam. Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. All right. You got. Prime Minister of Poland. Yes, that was a guess. Wait, no, I got that wrong. Oh, you said president? Oh, yeah, I got that wrong. Got it wrong. Got Sam Rockwell wrong. Got Brazil. Got Kamala Harris. And you got Kim Campbell. That is three of five. Did we tie or you beat me by one? We tied. We both got three of five. Boom. There is your election trivia on this election day. Times the day after the election day. Times who knows when you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Film Freaks. Chatter for the film fan and all of us. We checked out Bill and Ted's bogus journey. And there is a lot going on in this film. From what I can tell, the future is in a state of harmony. And Rufus's old gym teacher, he's, he's not loving it. He builds two Bill and Ted evil robots to go back in time, kill Bill and Ted before they can write the song that will bring the world peace. 
So as the evil Bill and Ted bots head back in time, we realize that the real Bill and Ted aren't doing so well with their music career. Uh, Ted's dad even threatens Alaskan military school again. But Bill and Ted also want to propose to the princesses. And in complete Bill and Ted fashion, they do. They gift the ladies plastic rings and they both say yes. And that is when evil Bill and Ted trick Bill and Ted to go out to the desert where they totally kill him by throwing him off a cliff. Evil Bill and Ted are now going to destroy the lives of their good counterparts, leaving them with the Grim Reaper, played by William Sadler, by the way. B and T end up giving death a Melvin and take off. As the dudes continue to explore their ghostly world, Ted possesses his dad to try to convince the police force to save the princesses from the evil Bill and Ted. This leads them to a seance performed by Missy, and when the spirits become too much for her to handle, she banishes them to hell. Not cool. In hell, Bill and Ted tell the devil that he's an okay dude before he sentenced them to their own personal hells. Ted being terrorized by the Easter Bunny and Bill having snuggled with his grandma in a pretty horrifying set of vignettes. That's when they challenge the Grim Reaper to a game. Several, in fact. And when they win all the challenges, Death basically will do anything they say. So he takes them to heaven so they can meet Station, two scientist aliens who can construct good Bill and Ted robots. Once that's done, it's on to the Battle of the Bands. Good Bill and Ted and the robots show up to pull the plug on the evil robots on the stage, and the good robots punch the evil robots into an explosive light show. And that's when the evil gym teacher, Chuck DeNormalis, shows up and changes every channel on the planet to his victory over Bill and Ted. But now, with a couple of mind-bending, time-traveling moves, Bill and Ted lock him in a cage. Victory on the world stage, Bill and Ted quickly jump in the time machine to become better at playing their instruments, and finally, wow the world with their music. The credits run over headlines of how big and important Wild Stallions has become. Jay, what did you think of this movie? Was it excellent or bogus? I got to tell you, man, like this movie is bogus. This is uh, this is not the excellent adventure we got in the first one. But here's the weird part. At the Battle of the Bands, after all this ridiculous stuff has happened, I'm still excited and happy for them and like rooting for Bill and Ted, even though the rest of the movie leading up to this It's so different in tone. It's very different. This is the part that I don't really understand is they didn't play with time travel that much in this movie. And like that's the the premise, right? Like, Well, not in this one. This one is Bill and Ted journey all over the afterlife and befriend the Grim Reaper who, I mean, he's, I got to say, like the Grim Reaper is the funniest guy in this movie. Yeah, and I appreciate the Seventh Seal, like, nods that are happening there, right? Me too. Yeah. All the games are, like, Battleship and Twister or, uh, what was it? Oh, there was another game. Uh, they were playing, like, football, like, 
magnetic football. I don't know what the game was. I don't know what that game is, but I've seen it. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of like sitting down to play a game of chess, they are literally sitting down and playing all the games that Bill and Ted know, and they keep beating them, uh, which makes Grim Reaper frustrated. I thought that was like, to be honest, my favorite part in the film. I don't understand Station. Oh, I hate Station. I don't know why Station exists. It ruined the movie. And then when Station becomes the big station, I... What the hell? It's so weird. And, you know, the thing is... It's not cute either. Like, that also... It's not cute. (laughs) Like, I feel like you kind of needed that. Like, part of what worked with Excellent Adventure was the personification of all these historical references. So that would be cool. And if they even decided to have an alien, which I really don't think belongs in the Bill and Ted world. Or in our heaven. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, uh, I mean, you know, presume maybe heaven is where everybody goes. I mean, I oh, don't know. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very good but, point. But I still feel like, Norm, like with Excellent Adventure, they took historical figures and they kind of like turned them on their head in a funny way. And I don't feel like they did that with the aliens. These aliens looked like the first time I've ever seen this kind of alien. And it didn't turn something well known on its head, which I think is the point of this movie. Like they did that with the Grim Reaper and it worked nicely. They didn't like making up station. I don't know where that came from. And it didn't work. I think the real problem in this film is that there's a bad guy. Yeah, the first one didn't really have a bad guy. It was just them. Against time. Against time and against themselves, right? Like, Yeah, and, and I genuinely believe that like adding Chuck Dinomalos, who was such a crappy villain, and giving us, I mean, maybe they just wanted to like add more Bill and Ted. Like all of a sudden there's two Bill and Ted who are evil, which again... Nobody wants to see Bill and Ted bad. No, not at all. I mean, but like I there was some kind of like there were a few scenes like when they were mean to the princesses in the bedroom. Like there, that was kind of entertaining. I, I had no problems with that. They were like screaming at these girls to put out. Yeah, I know. And the girls wouldn't. And I appreciated <laughs> that. I don't know. Like I thought it was like moderately entertaining to watch. And I liked that the girls were like, we're the f- out of here. Like, what the fuck? You are do not deserve our love. And I really did appreciate that. But like it felt like the people who wrote this movie didn't understand what was good and working about the original. The like I want to know how this pitch went. You got the two slacker guys who are working on their music. You're going to kill them. And the movie is now set in heaven and hell and the ghost land. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. And the first one is stupid, but not like this one. I honestly think, you know, maybe they thought, oh, well, the journeys can be beyond time. They can be in planes and, you know, make it bigger. But, like, it didn't work. It wasn't as human. They, you didn't just get to see these people charm their way through things, which I think is the point of Bill and Ted, right? Like, I agree. That is the point of the, – the thing about – the first one is just how likable they are. When you're screaming at the devil, there's no there's no relatability here at all. When you're you keep calling everyone a dick and you you're angry at everyone cuz you would be cuz you died from evil robot use. And even the evil robot use are dicks. Like 
it's almost i mean i don't know what a melvin is i guess it's a front facing wedgie or i don't know facing yes it is a front facing wedgie that's correct (laughs) but i i genuinely thought that the best stuff that happened in the movie would have been getting along with death but they're ragging on him the whole time and he is definitely the star of your movie like when he's like best five out of seven he's like damn right it made me laugh (laughs) but with all this negative stuff i still don't know why at the end i'm getting those vibes from the first movie of of loving them going up and playing their song and you know, they're they're about to win the battle of the bands. I don't know why I was rooting for Bill and Ted in that moment, even though everything before this I thought was a waste. I find it hard not to be so charmed by Keanu Reeves, um, like in this movie. I mean Alex Winter too, but also Keanu Reeves. And like even when they're being dicks and all this stuff, I don't know. I find them charming. I'm very curious what the next one is going to be like. Well, we're going to find out soon enough because we are watching, as a part of a trilogy. A trilogy. Uh, we are watching <laughs> Bill and Ted face the music. Now, before we go into this, I know what the plot of the next one is. But, Ivana, did you not get the impression that they, like, fix the world at the end of this movie? Yes. But we don't know when, right? Like, that's what the next one's going to play with. I hope so. So here's what we know at the end of this movie. They have married the princesses in a, in a, it takes a second in the movie, but really they're gone for 16 months. Uh, they time travel so that they can learn their instruments, marry the princesses, uh, go on a honeymoon. They both have twin boys who have the same name or they have boys that are the same names as their dads, uh, which could be problematic in the next movie because I I know something about it. Or maybe not. Trans people exist. It's fine. But yes, there are two boys at the end of this film. Right, Ivana? Strapped to their backs? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And then all of a sudden the headlines that are everywhere about Wild Stallions is like – there's peace in the Middle East because they went to play there. Yeah. So, like, I get the impression that they succeeded in their mission at the end of the film. Yes. At the end of this film, the way that you feel is that this was the pivotal performance that started it all. And it's nice to see Bill and Ted actually playing, like, really, really well. The song is genuinely cool. Uh, you know, it's got like this wicked melody that reminds me of like a a Bon Jovi track, but it was really nice. And, uh, and death is a part of the band now. I mean, I feel like he has a job. Like I feel like death is busy. I honestly, maybe (laughs) bogus journey is not canon. Oh shit. We are definitely going to have to check that out before writing the next descriptor, because if it's not canon, why we watch this movie, Ivana? Why did we do this to ourselves? Okay, well, I didn't know until now. Like, now that we are... Because you're right. Like, don't in the next one they have both daughters? Like I said, man, maybe they're both trans. Maybe, totally. But the actors they hired are not, and I feel like people would have been really angry if that was the case. 
That is true. Yeah, that is true. You know what? Maybe there's a line in there that uh, that explains away the boys have gone to school or something. I don't know. But I definitely know the cast because, you know, one of the cast members, I've been watching a lot of her movies. Yes, yeah, Samara Weaving, who she's like a freaking genius. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's a fantastic actor. Um, So, you know what? Like, maybe, maybe now that we've seen this and the end of this, we're like, oh, oh, I maybe... Maybe this isn't canon. Maybe this, because like this movie really does end making you feel like they achieved everything immediately following this performance. Yes. It would really make sense that this performance does do the thing because the entire world has it on every channel. Right. Because of Denomalous. And if you're going to pull the world together, you do it through a television station, I would think. Every single think. person watching that station. Uh, so very interesting. Um, what did you think real quick about the kind of the horror vignettes in this film? They felt very out of place, like extremely yes. out of place. They felt a little bit like um, dumbed down versions of Twilight Zone. Did you get that? Yeah, I got that. Uh, there was a lot of nods. Like, I feel like where this movie actually really comes into play is there's a lot of nods to other films. And it seems to be a bit of a journey of, of like, very important films and film influences and things like that. Like, that's what the journey kind of is. So there's, like, an element of this film that's meant to appeal, I feel, to uh, film lovers. Not this one. I, I agree. I think it didn't work because that's not what this movie is about. Like, it is one of a kind. They're trying to smash genres together. There's a paranormal supernatural element that they're trying to smash with the comedy this time around. And I just think for yeah, this you're totally one, right there. it doesn't work. I'm not saying that doesn't work with other films because it certainly does. But this one, it it did not work. And sending these two lovable goofs to hell... Trying to explain to a giant puppet devil, makeup devil, I don't know. And then going through the ringer with Easter Bunny chasing you and, you know, Granny Alex Winter is, I don't know. Everything felt really easy, too. Like when they go and talk to God and they're like, so we need somebody to help us. Oh, yeah. Okay. Here's someone. Like it just felt, I don't know. It felt really ridiculous and that's a weird thing to say about a movie about time travelers yeah but i think we've seen enough time travel done well that it's not that weird a thing to say like you and i said that first movie was kind of a a bizarre movie even for the time uh so looking at peter hewitt the director of this movie has done some like real hot garbage yeah, I was just going to say, he was not the director of the first movie. Um, I have not really seen anything else that he's ever done. I see here that he did a Disney film called Princess of Thieves starring Keira Knightley. And now I'm immediately looking this up on Disney+. Plus. Where is it? Where do you see Princess of Thieves? From 2001, he did Princess of Thieves. Oh, by it's a Peter TV Hewitt. episode. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, it's not a movie. It's a TV episode. 
one episode of the TV show Wonderful World of Disney. Oh, so this was uh, made for TV. Made okay, okay. But I, if it's on here, I'm looking it up right now. It is not interesting. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, I've never seen Garfield. I can't think of anything that he's really done. He did Home Alone, the Holly Holiday Heist. He seems to get movies that nobody cares about. But you would think at this time, people would care about Bill and Ted. Well, yeah, he's not. He isn't the, the director <laughs> like of the movie that just came out. We have uh, Dean Parasot. For the, the latest Bill and Ted's movie. And he ha- has done a lot of television. So he's done a lot of directing of stuff like Good Girls, Grace and Frankie, Justified, The Good Wife, Modern Family, Monk. Like he's he's really key in the episodic market, which honestly, I just want to pause for a second to say that, you know, the tone and, and feel of a, of a TV show is not set by the director as much as the showrunner and the creator, right? And then they generally have different directors come in to do different episodes, or that's how it was done, like, before. Uh, at least before prestige television. So I think television directors, what they're the best at is directing without forcing their vision. Right, because it's it's more important for the overall story. Right, yeah, like, you have to step back and let the story win, and maybe then that makes him the perfect director for something like Bill and Ted because he's not going to try to turn Bill and Ted into something of his own. He's going to just serve the story of Bill and Ted or the characters of Bill and Ted. And I'm hoping that's going to work because, yeah, like I see this new director for our upcoming movie for next week. He seems to specialize almost entirely in television. And let's not forget... He also did Galaxy Quest, which is amazing. And that's the show. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next time. If you'd like to help support the show, you can hop onto your favorite podcast service and you can please, please subscribe and give us a review. Our intro song comes from bensound.com and we encourage you to check out all of our show notes for more information about our music our talented voice actors, and sound effects. And you know what? We also really want to hear from you. You can check us out on our website, morethanmovies.net. And in case you hate websites, you can email us at hello at morethanmovies.net. You can also find us at Facebook slash morethanmoviespodcast. Catch either of us on Twitter. I'm at Jester J. I'm at It's Ivana. Thanks again for spending some time with us. We'll be back again next time with an all-new commercial-free episode. And until next time, friends, do more and watch more.